Well, welcome everybody. This is Talking with Dylan. Thank you for joining on our debut episode, I guess you could call it. Um, today I'm joined by a good buddy of mine, Dan. Dan, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Excited Appreciate to have it. you. Oh yeah. A little bit about what my hopes, my passion, my desire in this really would be. I really want to encourage those of you out there listening to engage with the conversation that you hear as if it's a conversation you're a part of. Um, obviously you can't respond in real time, but you can at least be aware of how you'd like to respond, you know, whether it be within your own head voice or if you're in your car like me and you talk out loud and you listen to podcasts because I do that all the time. Um, but really just I want to extend an invitation every time you listen to one of these podcasts to be, yes, both present with the actual content that myself and whoever is joining me are speaking about because I hope to keep it relevant um, with today's society and what's going on in the world. I really want the emphasis to be, you know, within yourself and how you would want to respond and just to start to be mindful of, you know, your, your knee-jerk reactions or however you might respond, just to start to have grown that awareness because I really believe that I think as a society we could benefit from people growing in their ability to conversate but also really in their ability to listen and I think good listening starts within yourself listening to yourself listening to what your own inner monologue is saying you know and becoming very aware of the the, the hows and the whys of why we want to respond that way and how we're responding um, and then once we kind of start to I want to use the word master it within ourselves we can really master it for the people around us uh, so that'd be my encouragement to you whoever you may be listening and i hope you enjoy listening to these i think it's gonna be a great time maybe in the future we can have exciting people come on i'll just put it that way although dan's pretty exciting himself so i don't want to downplay that i think y'all are gonna enjoy what he has to say i know i do so uh thank you for being here and i hope you enjoy the ride because when, when was the kind of the dawn of the progressive mind era? Or oh, God. The 60s? Yeah, I think so. Well, actually, late 50s probably. Really? You know, with the whole beatnik thing. Mm. You know, the the poetry. and I mean, they're, they're, they'd like have poetry readings by the poets who wrote them, you know. And oh. they'd just take turns. And uh, I, I saw this... Uh, documentary about Wavy Gravy. Um, you may not be familiar with him, but he's, I'm um, not. <laughs> he's, um, he's from the Woodstock generation and he started out as a, as a poet. And I'm trying to remember what his real name is, but he, he's a, he's officially now legally, you know, Wavy Gravy. Okay, yeah. good. Um, it'll come to me like three hours from now. That's fine. Three hours uh, from now we'll learn. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But anyway, he's he, you know he started out as a, a broad he was on Broadway he did plays he was an actor but he was also a poet and it was all that um, you know like on the road John Kerouac and mm. uh, the Electric uh, uh, Kool Aid Acid Test and all those books that came out in the late fifties early sixties and and um, and he said that when they they were in the, these coffee shops that used to be jazz halls there they used to be places where the where jazz music would be played a couple nights a week they'd get to you know do their poetry oh, okay. and hmm. and um and and this it sounds so you know um almost like hollywood but apparently because they were in a place where people lived upstairs um they couldn't make a lot of noise so that's where the whole clicking the fingers Instead oh, of mm -hmm. that's where it started. You, you see that in the in the movies, and it's so archaic looking. But it was there was actually a purpose behind it. it. Was they didn't want to bother the people upstairs. So if you really like the poem, you you know clip your fingers. You and know. that's true. That's real. It, it is real. Yeah, that's the origin of yeah, it. Yeah. Wow. And um, and then the folk music started to kind of creep in with the beatnik thing, um, and folk music became kind of like this the it was the message deliverer of the information that they were because all these artistic people got around together and they literally shared ideas of how to change the world and make it a better place wow yeah. their intentions were good it didn't work out obviously <laughs> i don't know that it ever will but 
but I hope so. Right. Um, you know, I think that you know people being able to learn how to to listen to each other and communicate without judgment is key to the success of changing the world from what it is now to what it could be. Yes. Um, but in the '60s, there were a lot of other distractions. I think that kind of that sort of separated all the ideals into into uh, into uh, sections or folders that didn't always agree with each other, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one reason why it didn't work is that we, you know, they they broke it up too much instead of just having as laser focus on here's here's the most important one, right. Yes, and I really think that right now the the most important one is being able to listen and communicate with each other without judgment. Yes, and it's extremely uh, challenging for people nowadays. It seems it is. You know, it is. It, it's it's too bad, but I don't think it's. Com I don't believe that anyone should ever say it's never going to happen. Right, because then you end up with. Uh, it never happening. <laughs> a uh, worldwide, worldwide self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. The the naysay about it. I have. I know people, people in my family, even who, are very much like, the world is the way that it is, and it's always going to be that way. Right. And even when I was younger, I had an issue with that. I mean. Yes, part of it was just me being rebellious teen and like not wanting to accept that there's responsibilities in the world, but there was also part of it where I could not, oh, I don't know, rationalize. I couldn't, um, oh, there's a word I'm looking for here. Yeah, the world would come to me maybe tomorrow, but <laughs> um, I couldn't really align that line of thought with like the way I experienced the world, even at that age, you know, 15, 16 years old, it was hard for me to be like, yeah, that's just the way the world is, and it's always going to be the way. Like, I hated that justification, especially when it was used for things that were unfavorable or right. disliked. Even if, for me at the time, that was, you know, my parents pushing me to get a job or whatever it might have been, you know, I think the principle still applies to more important and more relevant things, and I I hated it. I mean, really, that's the best word for it. I hated that mentality and I hated that justification because exactly like what you were saying, you know, in my head, I'm like, you're basically guaranteeing that's the way it's always going to yeah, be. Yeah, you've just, you've just perpetuated it. And, and it's so in, it's so massively uh, accepted in, in society. Yes. Uh, and not just in the United States, but globally, I think people are just resigned to the fact that this is the way it is. It's always been that way. It's always going to be that way. Right. And therefore it's always going to be that way yeah. and it doesn't have to be that way no nope. i think that the the human species is better than that you know <laughs> yeah, gosh yes i hope so <laughs> well I, I i really think that we are we're capable of we're, we're capable of the yin and yang you know mm. i mean humans are capable of the most dastardly things and and history has shown that over and over and over again but we're also mm capable of the most intense compassion and love and and caring by people throughout history you know they there have been those individuals that come along you know and, and a lot of them become martyrs sadly because mm -hmm. that's that's just how things have been but yeah. they don't have to be that way no. forever no. it's just a matter of wanting to do the work because it's not easy to change the world no you know, because it's everything is so ingrained mm -hmm. and ev there's a certain level of, there's a veil over the top of what we know as reality that's been a substantial part of history that continues to perpetuate that myth that oh it's always been that way so it'll always be that way instead of thinking well now I think it is possible to have something different, but in order to get any kind of movement in that direction, you have to get more and more people that are willing to do the work right? and accept the fact that they're imperfect humans and that they have 
beliefs and ideals and ideas that may not work in the culture that exists today. Right. Um, it's much easier to simply go along with the flow and fall into that that trap of the rep the repetitious recycling of information and ideas and thoughts and and actually change your perspective enough mm -hmm. to say no that I don't want to go that way mm -hmm. just like you did when you were a kid it's like no I, I don't that doesn't make sense to me yeah. you know but how do you convince other people that that doesn't make sense when to them it all makes perfect sense right you know because that's just the way it's been right because it's always been that way mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to always be that way um, and yes. I think that's part of what you want to do with your <laughs> with your uh, your podcast I is to talking. is to give people a platform to rethink their reality. I would agree. <laughs> I would agree because the reality is is um, is flexible. Yes. Yes. When you were talking, I kept thinking, and I kept trying to drown out the thought because it kept distracting me from what you were saying. But every time you were talking, I was just like. I kept going to this example, this idea, you know, there is a part of uh, American society that, um, you know, critiques how our work life is set up, you know, 40 hour work week, all that jazz and pay and everything. I mean, that's a, that's a whole rabbit hole and a can of worms. But, you know, I think one of the things I, I've been seeing and, and hearing about for the last several years is, you know, kind of how America should consider adopting more of a European work week. You know, some places they work four days a week instead of five. Exactly. Full-time is more commonly 32 hours than, or even less in some places, and 40 hours. And, and people saying, like, it won't work, or, like, people just don't want to work, they're being lazy, blah, blah, blah. When it's like, well, yeah, it works in those places, you know, it works in those countries really well. And then people are like, well, we're not those countries. Well, I've been thinking a lot lately, too. It's interesting because kind of talking about how norms, you know, and we're so set and that's just the way things are and they've been. It's like, well, the 40-hour work week did not used to be the norm in America. No. It used to be 60-hour work exactly. week. Exactly. You know, and Ford introduced the 40-hour work week. Right. And he introduced it in his eyes is that his he wanted his employees to have more time off so that they would want to go drive and have leisure time and buy more cars. And he was absolutely right. Yeah. And... But post to what people may think, productivity increased, which is so funny to think, you know, it's like, sure, if everybody worked five hours a week, we probably wouldn't get anything done. You know, I don't think necessarily the end game should be no one should ever work ever because I think work's good and it has a place, not just in society and like in an, an economy, but as beings, I think, you know, we thrive from putting work, you know, work into things that we are passionate about and care about and have meaning to us, sure, but it's still work and it requires sure, effort. Sure. Um, but I think that's a great example of, you know, just because things were a certain way or have been a certain way doesn't mean what may seem like reducing the expectation or reducing the standard doesn't necessarily mean the outcome will be reduced, you know, product or, you know, efficacy or however you want to put it. But, you know, because we saw the improvement, you know, going from 60 to 40 was great. Going the, from 40 to 30 might be great. Or it might just be that, you know, we go to four-day weeks and three-day weekends, whatever it may be. It doesn't really matter. But the fact is, you know, just going on the same thought is that we don't have to keep everything exactly the same. You right. know, the world has thrived because people constantly challenge the way things were being right. done. You know, I think if we really look at the world on a much larger scale and, and throughout history, so much of what we appreciate and enjoy that are good things in life now are directly or indirectly, depending on how far back you want to go, the results of change. Yeah. Well, change is inevitable. Yeah. But it's the thing that humans resist the most. It's so interesting, too. It's a conundrum. Yeah. Because... <laughs> I mean, Europe has been been at it longer than we have <laughs> in this country, mm -hmm. you know. So we should learn, you know, it's like if you're golfing and, you know, you, you somebody putts uh, and you're they're on a similar line than you are, you know, you're going to watch that putt to see how, to learn where it goes so you can, you can 
direct your ball into the hole in, in a more accurate way because they've just shown you what what, what the pathway is mm. with their putt. You know, it's like, well, you can do that with country, so you can look at well, what worked and what didn't, you know, and and look at this country and go, well, what worked and what didn't. Right. You know. Right. It, well, unfortunately, th we have been we have been I don't even know what the word is it's like we've been we've basically been the same for so long mm -hmm. that it has become the status quo even though it doesn't have to be the status quo yeah almost like we're conditioned yeah it's like you can you're conditioned that you have to go to work and work 40 hours a week but you're not conditioned to do it uh, in a way that fulfills you right it's how much money can you make mm -hmm. or what kind of a lifestyle do you want to you know have and how are you going to maintain that lifestyle because that's where the fulfillment comes right from. yeah but the fulfillment should come from what you're truly passionate about what you what you're really good at because every single human being on this planet alive or dead has or has or had a gift that was uniquely theirs. Mm -hmm. Every single person has something that they can offer the world that is unique to them, and it, and the, the challenge is to find that, mm -hmm. you know. And th and that's and unfortunately we're we're not allowing our children to explore the possibilities so that they can find what that is uh, because we're all cookie cutters, you know. It's like no, you get you grow up and. You go to, to school, and then you go to high school, and then you go to college, and then you get a degree, and then you become a doctor or a lawyer or a politician, you know, mm -hmm. or whatever. Or you don't have those opportunities, and so you become a bricklayer or a garbage man or, or um, a homeless person. Right. You know, and all of those jobs have value, but they're more valuable if the person doing it loves what they do, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, we're not encouraging the young, the young, we're not giving them the opportunity to explore all the different possibilities and find the one that fits them. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's like the tennis player that became so incredibly gifted and hated every minute of it. Yeah. I forget what his name was. But, uh, you know, he was, his parents for basically molded him into a professional tennis player mm. and he excelled beyond belief but he didn't enjoy any of it you know right and so he spent most of his life unhappy doing what he was doing instead of you know joyfully participating in something that he loved to do <laughs> you know I'm going to put my own words to it, uh, a cycle of what we emphasize as important for kids, which goes into their adult lives and so on and so forth. You know, why, do, in your thoughts and words, do you think that we keep falling to that cycle? Why, why, why are those grains, you know, grooved so deep, if you will, with our society? I think that's a great question. I think it's because it's, uh, it, it, it's handed down from generation to generation. Um, there's... We have yet to find that place in history when everyone feels comfortable enough and secure enough in their own abilities to let go of what was and start to embrace what is and what will be. And so these ideas of what's best for the children uh, has, has been handed down from probably the beginning of time and it's just morphed into this whole idea of success being gauged by your your gross income mm. uh, or the things that you own right. or the lifestyle that you live instead of truly honoring who you really are as a as a spirit as a person mm. you know and I think that's where I think that's where change is going to really start to move us forward as a species if more people can realize how valuable their child's gifts are and not not project themselves and their needs and wants onto their children. Mm. Um, 
I think they they need to allow the, the, the kids to be who they are and observe and listen and learn what it is that they gravitate toward mm. uh, and offer multiple opportunities for them to explore new and different ideas and thoughts and activities so that they that as a as an, an open and aware parent you can actually observe to see where their passion is mm. and once you can identify that or that the child identifies it for them uh, then embrace that take yourself out of it and and help them succeed in 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 doing that they may change their mind when they're a teenager fine that's good yeah you know because then that was just a step toward their end game whatever that might be so and you know this coming from somebody who doesn't have children <laughs> you know but it's i've it's what i've observed um in my life and other people's lives that we tend to project ourselves our wants and needs onto our children mm. and that stumps them um keeps them from being who they are mm. who they really are and i uh, there's also the the parameter goes to the other end of the spectrum where you have somebody like me who has already lived 65 years and have stumbled and and crawled my way through life um, in a very Taoist way <laughs> you know there was no plan A you know right uh, it was just I've just been making it up as I go along I finally got into a place in my life where I've had enough experience and enough conversations and enough experience to open myself up to the possibility that everything that I thought was real isn't mm. and that there there has to be more to it than what I see and allow myself to be open to that possibility. Right. Right. It's a good answer. <laughs> it's a great answer. Oh man, so many thoughts with this. <laughs> Dang it. I just got so this is what happens when you listen well though. I'm gonna throw this out there. <laughs> I've told you this before, Dan. Uh I used to encourage people, I'd be like, you know, when someone else is talking or whatever and this is especially beneficial if you're having an argument or a debate or whatever you want to call it this is a great skill to be able to exercise then I'm working on it in those situations I can do it most but when there's there's heat involved I struggle and that is listening to understand and hear them rather than listening to respond instead of sitting there thinking about what you're gonna say to everything they just said you just listen to what they say and I think for a second there I was listening to respond to you, continue the conversation, and then I just started really listening, and I forgot everything I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I had like three follow-up questions, a couple comments I wanted to make. They're all gone, so that's great. You've made a good point, though. I, I, I mean, I definitely agree. So, um, I think I'm remembering some of them now. I'm thinking back on what you're saying. You were talking about. Um, like with children observing kind of what their tendencies are, whether or not you observe it, they kind of just reveal it to you and and basically pressing into that and valuing it for what it is. You know, I think I think some people are good at that in the sense they're like, oh, you know, like this desire or passion my child has has, has potential monetary value to it. And that's where they drive their, you know, kid likes sports or, or you know, some parents are good about this, but not all, you know, art or whatever it may be. They're, they're just really good at excelling in academics. You know, and when parents can see like a potential dollar sign, they're like, oh, this is good. But for the ones they maybe don't see the potential dollar sign, they don't see it as good. And, you know, I'm not somebody who thinks that pursuing things for the sake of their monetary value is bad inherently it's not bad it's what it represents and what you allow it to go to that can be bad um but i think and you would probably agree with this the the greater value in it is that it, it's simply a passion it is something that you desire and you'll find joy in in life um and i mean that's something that right now where i'm at my life being in you know my 20s still is really trying to find that balance of yes I want to be financially 
fine in life. You know, I, I would rather not have to severely worry about finances and it would be nice to make a good income. Shoot, it'd be great to be rich. I mean, I feel like I'd it'd present a bunch of problems that I'd have to figure out, but I'd love to do good with that. Um, but I also deeply value, you know, um, the, my time spent with things that bring me joy and what I feel is really life. Um, whether that be play or even just work for things that I truly value. Um, and that's where I find myself kind of wrestling with what I'm currently doing as a job and, and what I want to do, you know, I feel like when I tell people, you know, I kind of jokingly use the, the phrase jack of all trades, you know, master of none, you know, professionally, that's true. I mean, I have to, I, I demonstrate skills in a lot of different actual trades, um, but I feel like, you know, socially I'm a jack of all trades and and even in desires and passions I'm a jack of all trades. Like there's a bunch of things that I like to do and enjoy doing, but there's few things that I truly find myself easily falling into pursuing. You know, there's there's always there's always been one though. And there's I always come back to the one thing and that is conversation with people. I love it more than anything in this world. If I could just speak with people I'd be a happy camper you know it could be about I mean sure like shallow whatever things are fine too you know I could talk about the newest graphics card or whatever from Peter all day but the the meaningful things in life um, you know I my bread and butter you know I love to talk to people about that and I, they could disagree all day with me about it it's still good it's enjoyable to me and I'm like like I don't <laughs> I don't want my focus in trying to pursue that to be how do I make this valuable monetarily you know right, right but a part of me is like you know if I really want to be able to spend my life at least in the way the world is set up right now it feels like if I want to be able to do that and be able to do it to a capacity that I flourish I have to find a way to capitalize on it exactly yeah. exactly yeah, and I think that if history has taught us nothing, and if you're observant enough to see the people that you visualize or you perceive as successful, um, they o have always followed their passion. They've mm -hmm. always followed their heart. Um, and some of them were encouraged, some of them weren't. You know? But I think I really think it's true that if, some, if you find what you truly have a passion for, as long as you continue to follow that and to pursue it, you'll be successful. Mm. Uh, whether it's monetarily successful or just emotionally successful or spiritually successful, um, those are all successes. Yeah. You know, uh, unfortunately, so, there's so many people that we all kind of arrive here in a particular station in life. And as far as I know, we don't have a choice in that. You just, you're born into a particular circumstance that will either protect you from um, the world or uh, will expose you to the dangers of the world. And that can, tr that can really affect your opportunities. Um, and I don't know how you fix that. You know, it's like, you know, there are so many people that are, are in pain and so many people that are um, struggling just to, to get food on the table or just mm -hmm. to, to get, uh, you know, a decent education or, or, or a million other things. But it's like they're victims of circumstance, you know. Um, the key is to somehow find a way to show them that they're not victims, uh, that their potential is as valuable as someone in a better situation. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just going to be hard to get get out of it and get to where you need to go. Some people are really good at that. Some people have the right support system, either with their parent or or their friends or their you know pastors or whoever, where they you know they have somebody they admire that they look up to that can help guide them. Yeah. Uh, but not everybody has that, and. I really feel like the the government has become a institution that is not truly committed
committed to helping their constituents. They're more interested in helping themselves. And I, I don't want to put government down, it's just that they seem to have fallen into their own trap and they've become this this good old boys club, you know? It's mm -hmm. like a, they, and they're, they're more focused on maintaining that status quo that they have mm -hmm. uh, instead of actually risking that to help someone else. Right. And and I th I think it's t it's time that more and more people realize that you can't look to the government to solve those types of problems. Uh, it it's not going to work because they're not interested. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's where you know these grassroots uh, organizations come along and they do really good works. It's like Wavy Gravy has his own um, camp mm. where he teaches kids uh, how to be more comfortable in their skin and embrace who they really are and it's they learn how to walk on stilts and <laughs> shoot arrows and stuff fun, and it's fun. like it's a fun place for them to discover that you know uh, you know they're they're not alone there's other kids out there that like to do crazy stuff and right and they're not abnormal they're okay they're <laughs> you know mm -hmm. but but I don't I don't think that the grass there's enough grassroots uh, organizations to fill the void and so instead of looking to the government um, you have to kind of look in your neighborhood you know if you see a kid that's having trouble you know reach out and see if you can't help you know mm -hmm. uh, I did that with this young kid that lived next door to me his father was an alcoholic and divorced and they lived in a rat infested house and and I just all I did was I was kind to him. I was an adult who actually was kind to him and wasn't slapping him around, you know, like his dad did, you know. Right. And I watched this kid really bloom uh, because he was recognized. Somebody actually recognized him as a individual. Right. And um, if we could do more of that, I think that, that we'd be on a better path than where we are right now. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of what you're saying really stirs up a lot in my brain because, you know, I mean, yes, if you observe the world and you really look at it with, I don't even think it takes a, much of a careful eye anymore. There's just so much to observe that's, I mean, both right and wrong, but right now the wrong is just in your face. So I'm going to go with the wrong stuff right now. Um yeah, kind of going on what you're saying about government and not really, you know, we should probably rely less on them to fulfill those needs, if, if you will. Um, yeah, so I, I like I like the idea of being present, you know, enough with your own community and, you know, how can you help out just, you know, even the simple one, the you know, the one kid or the, the one person, just letting them be seen. I don't. I'm about to say I don't mean to diminish that because I'm not, you know, I believe that the value of one human is equivalent, you know, there's no, you can't lessen that, you know, taking someone's humanity is nothing that any of us have a right to do. And so I believe that anybody out there who's, who's like, you know, I, no, I don't think. I don't think there's anybody who solely relies on one experience to find fulfillment in life. But if you are, let's just go to the extreme here. If you're a person who in your life, all you did, all you did, I'll put in quotes, um, was, you know, do something significant for one person, you know, to me, that would be fulfilling enough for life. You know, I think that has unmeasurable value. Wouldn't diminish that ever. But to look at it on a, I guess, a bigger scale, you know, to be I guess more inclusive in my brain I don't know I'm short for words with this but you know how how do we approach the people who are in communities where there's just no one to look out for them you know what I mean I mean so let's take let's take like some of the the more we'll call them rough areas in America and there's commentary on why these places remain you know so influenced by gang activity or whatever it may be and really, if you look at it, it's it's a cycle of 
there's no money, there's no support, the school system, you know, is failing, and most of the people that grow up there believe that they'll never be able to get out of it, like a hole, you know, and the only place they have to turn is their community, but sometimes the community only looks like gang culture or whatever it may right, be, right. Um, and the only way to get by is to become part of these illegal acts, and it's like they're just trying to survive, yeah, you know, and then we, we punish them for just trying to survive, I mean, it's a little black and white, but ultimately that's what's happening. And so it's like, you know, how how does the hand reach them? Right. <laughs> how, does the, how, does, how do we reach that? Well, that's the ultimate question that I don't know <laughs> that anybody has the answer to, obviously, or else it would have been answered already. Yeah. You know, a little rhetorical, I guess. <laughs> no, I think it's a good it's a good thing to, to bring up because it's a. Uh, it's like Elon Musk said that you know the government's okay, but it should be more of a, like a, a like a referee, right? As opposed to having being a player in this the game. much of a player, mm-hmm. yeah, um, because the, they're clearly not doing a very good job, and they just don't care. It's it that's the that's how I I, I take it in is I look at I look at all the elections that I've lived through, and they constantly talk about the same issues over and over and over again, and yet. After 65 years, you would imagine that we'd be talking about something new, um, but we still have the same old problems, right. you know, systemic racism, um, you know, uh, the, the mighty war machine is, you know, busy spending trillions of dollars on the technology to kill other people, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, we're, we as a species, we've got to change that, that focus to protecting our country from the bad guy, whoever the bad guy is, and the bad guy just got raised in a different culture and a different ecosystem, and it has different values and ideas because of where he grew up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's he's not a bad person; it's just different because we've created all this division. Right. You know, and and you know, I told you one time, um, you know that 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 photograph that they took of the moon of the from the moon of the earth on New, uh, Christmas Eve and it made the cover of life magazine yes uh, that photograph was the first time that we as a species have been able to see ourselves from that perspective and that photograph may be sort of you know quaint now but at the time in 1968 that was a that was an incredibly powerful image mm-hmm. that that hemisphere of the earth in that photograph contained every single person that lived there at that moment. Mm-hmm. And it transformed how I perceive the earth and how I, the, the world is not sectioned off into categories and religious sects and political ideals. It's just one big, beautiful planet where humans happen to exist, you know? And it, I think that the borders have held us back from evolving into a more uh, a more ca- a kind more intelligent and more thoughtful culture or society mm-hmm. uh, or species right. you know I think we've, we've spent way too much of our time on earth fighting with one another and what you're trying to do with your podcast is to help people do the work to understand how to communicate without judgment mm-hmm. um, because judgment will always get in the way of reason right and both parties can completely disagree and still come to a common ground of agreement it's yeah. possible it it's is. been done before it can be done again you know and if nothing else you have you know two people who are generations apart who have found a common ground that have created a, a really unique and special friendship that's incredible. Yeah. You know, because we look at each other as humans, we don't look at each other as what our age is. <laughs> right. Or right. what generation you grew up in. And mm-hmm. you're, you're a soul, I'm a soul. That's why we get along is because we don't look at each other that way. Right. You know, it, people have to realize that we're all different we're all special we're all unique but we're also very much the same Mm -hmm. we have the same desires the same needs the same wants 
and everybody should have a right to follow those needs and, and find them in some way and there shouldn't be someone who's a different color or a different religion standing there going no you can't do that you know you can't have a good life because you're this and I'm this and my I'm right and you're wrong it's like right it doesn't work no. it's not working and it's not getting better <laughs> yeah and it's you know <laughs> I love I love I love challenging people's perspectives of cliches because cliches lose their value in our eyes but you know if you look at a cliche why did it become a cliche because it's used a lot why was it used a lot why did it gain popularity if, right. it, if it had no value you know I mean some things are cliche maybe just because of pop culture but some things are a lot of things even are cliche because there's so much inherent truth that has been true for so long and because a lot of the time we refuse to change or be better it remains true and then we get tired of hearing the same you know everyone gets tired of being told they're doing the same thing wrong over and over again right um, but the cliche history repeats itself you know and that's why we learn about it so that we can stop it from repeating itself what have we stopped from repeating itself I mean ultimately uh, maybe we won't have another holocaust which would be great I hope we avoid that forever and ever um, but but what are the things that are still true that we know historically have been true for basically as long as recorded history has existed? Uh, war, famine, racism. I mean, these are all things. And again, it goes back to kind of our initial conversation of, well, that's just the way the world is. That's just the way humans are. And it's like the very fact that we have the ability to comprehend that concept means we have the ability to change it. Absolutely. Because you can't, you know, if you're blind and the light's out in the room, you're not going to know the difference. But if you can see the light bulbs burned out, you're going to change the light bulb. Right. Simplifying a really big human issue, I get it. But the principles align and it still works. We all, as no matter what side of the board you fall on, we all agree that the world is in a rough place and that there's so much bad. Like everybody will say that and agree to it. It doesn't matter what they believe. And yet all of us are like, but that's just the way it is, you know? And there's plenty of people trying to make change, and there's plenty of people taking effort. I'm not trying to discount them. But, you know, at the same time, the way we go about it and what we're trying to achieve, I think, are both equally valuable things. And that both play into each other significantly because, you know, just, you know... To really make a simple example, if, if your goal in life was to eradicate world hunger, and let's say you achieved that, I eradicated world hunger. You know how I did it? I killed everybody on the earth, so now there's <laughs> no one hungry. Right. Very extreme example, unrealistic, sure, but you achieved your goal. But how you achieved it left the world, I would say, in a much worse place than it was yeah, before. Because, yeah, yeah, people were starving and dying, but you just mass genocided everybody. One of those is a little worse than the other. You know, so if the way we achieve um, world peace, social change, or what, whatever it may be, is in a way that you know dehumanizes or um, you know judges or whatever, you know, it's gonna leave a bitter taste, and we're gonna be left with the same thing. And I think that's what just happened. You know, we look at you know the two-party system in America with presidents and. You know, every like you said, we've been arguing about the same things, and every president, you know, you kind of see the people who support them blaming the previous president and those politics for these things, and then they undo it, and the next one's like, well, look how bad that turned out, and then they undo it, um, <laughs> and then nothing gets done, and it, and it stays it's the same. Because they're not willing to actually think outside the box, right? You know, and, and think, well, well, okay, well, all these things haven't worked, so what will work? You know. What 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 were the what were the things that we did wrong? Let's learn from it and see if we can find another avenue to create the same ultimate uh, conclusion, but right. one that would work instead of not work. But um, it's like I said, bef uh, you know, a couple days ago, you know, the the two party system are actually two two sides of the same coin, mm -hmm. and they sustain each other by not agreeing. Just keeps that, flipping it. That's 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 how they continue to do what they do, and that's why it hasn't changed in so long. Is because they're stuck inside that little 
clog that little club and they have to sustain their little their little bubble that they live in because they're they got it made they got health care they got food they get to travel they get education their kids are good they get best education they end up growing up to be a politician and then they get to be in the bubble with their friends and it's, now it's become a big family and and so they act like they hate each other when in, in, in reality they're actually sustaining one another they're keeping the bubble safe hmm. and the rest of us are all outside yes. the bubble and yeah. we're on our own ultimately yeah. you know I, I, I challenge anyone who is listening to think about their daily life and what they do and each time there's a new a new party running the country in the Congress, the Senate, the presidency, how how much alteration took place in your daily life when that 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 power switched hands? In my experience, nothing. Nothing changes. I still have to get up and go to work. I still have to eat. I still have to take care of my family. I still have to pay the, the bill, bills, and I still have to take care of the daily needs. And that is part of how powerful they are mm. because they know that. They know that your life is not going to change. Mm -hmm. So therefore, they have to keep you entertained enough so that you don't realize they're not doing anything. Right. It's, it's like a, it's a veil that has been pulled over everybody's eyes and we believe that somehow this president is going to make everything better and <laughs> rosy and in reality the president has almost no power whatsoever right. he's simply a figurehead or she um, and Congress and Senate keep the bubble as safe and sound as it can possibly be and so there's a it has to change in order for everything to change but you can't do it by breaking into the Capitol building and killing people and destroying property and, and destroying lives. That, that's not how change happens. That only creates more pain mm -hmm. <laughs> and more confusion and more chaos and it feeds the bubble. I mean, change will happen, but not the change you're looking for. Exactly. <laughs> You'll be prosecuted or something. Right, exactly. Or, you know, exactly. temporary that, change. That was a low point in this country's history. I think it, if, of all the low points that we've experienced in history, that was one of the worst. Mm -hmm. um, and, you, and I'm totally convinced that it was allowed to happen. Otherwise, they never would have got in that building. Yeah, that was... That was something else. I do want to say really quick, just on the topic that we're talking about, I can hear in my head maybe some people thinking or maybe saying, like, you know, well, you're just kind of anti-government then or, or you know, we're, we're really being, being very good at pointing out a lot of problems and not giving a lot of clear solutions, you know. There's a lot of people who are like, show me a problem, show me a solution. Right. And you know, my comment to that really would be, I don't think Dan or myself are necessarily anti-government. You know, I think we both recognize that there is a a role that governing people plays. Sure, there has to be something in place to uphold Absolutely. some kind of system. You know, Absolutely, like yeah. you know, we at, at the mass we are, there is a sense of order that needs to be you know implemented, but. It, we're more commenting and then before I go get ahead of myself um, you know we're, we're also not like <laughs> you know, complete and total anti-war pacifists and saying that like if we just pretend like we don't need a fight we'll never have to fight again like yes conflict happens yes conflict can come and it probably will come I, I would encourage and maybe invite think a little beyond that think a little bigger I don't think either one of us is just playing in la la land here saying that like if we just all just agree we don't need to anymore and just accept each other then everything will be fine and dandy you know it's more of we're pointing out these things and talking about these things because the change comes when we start to really just acknowledge that it can happen acknowledge that there is wrong acknowledge that it can be better and if 
these conversations can't happen, we won't ever take the next step, which is, you know, steps towards actual change happening in the world. Um, and if the conversation always gets dissolved to, well, give me a solution then, or, you know, it's always going to be this way. It is always going to be this way. That's all you want to say. And if the immediate result of a conversation has to be some kind of, you know, step-by-step -step process of fixing things, uh, well, most conversations mean nothing then, and we wouldn't be anywhere where we are now because most things in this world that have been created, invented, or, or implemented came from a multitude of conversations, a multitude of trial and error, and it never was just, I have an idea of how to fix this problem, so let me explain the problem, and then I'll explain the solution. A lot of it started out with, hey, this doesn't seem right. You know, this seems wrong, or this seems unfair. Like, And sometimes those conversations come down to that person learning that their perspective was just off. That actually isn't that wrong, or it isn't that unfair. But a lot of times, you know, it ends up being, wow, that is messed up, and I never realized it before. And then this person realizes it's messed up. Maybe that, you know, 30 people down the line of the conversation is the person's like, I have an idea. You know, the 29 people before them didn't necessarily have a solution, but it may have never reached the person's ears who did, was going to have the solution, you know. And that's that's kind of the value and the importance of being open to conversation, even if Dan and I aren't going to present a million answers. Like, I mean, we're, we're talking about big picture things here that, but we you know we're, we're commonly passionate about and I'll say hopeful that you know enough ears can be reached right you know, enough right. people can start to to really think for themselves not this jargon political term that's become of free thinking but really like taking a step back from the the day-to-day -day grinds the the grooves we all fall into and that the easiest re the easy responses we have to to criticism and whatnot and really having that perspective and engaging in those conversations you know so i think it's important to have the, the have the dialogue in order to to discover what the the solution or potential solution might be absolutely you know a, qu a question everything you know, with social media, it's uh, good news travels fast and bad news travels faster. Mm -hmm. You know, but n neither one may actually be factual. Right. But I think that the only way that you can develop independent thought is by communicating with one another. Yes. Because you don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. No one has all the answers. But the more people that you connect with and the more people that you communicate with and the better listener you become and the, the more questions that you have, the better. Because that's the only way to make things not the way they are, they've always been. Mm -hmm. and, and that's really the goal to conversate a, a really good quality conversation and communicating with each other is being able to make it so that it's not always going to be this way. Yes. And you, just, you don't have to hate people because of what they think. No. <laughs> such a such a simple idea, but I mean, I, I use this as a baseline, and it, it applies sometimes, and some people it sits well with, and others it doesn't, maybe. I don't know. For me, it's helpful when I, when I remember to think of it, you know, and no one's perfect. You're going to mess up. I'm not expecting perfection of you. I'm not expecting it of myself. That's ridiculous. Don't expect it of others. Um, but if, if you just kind of go with a baseline of engaging with people, just assume that even if you're wrong, even if they're the most malicious, malintended person in the world, even if you're wrong, you're still better off starting out here and being proved wrong than basically determining their reality for them. And that's this. Most people believe and think and feel the way that they do genu genuinely because they believe that is what's true of the world, good for the world, right for the world, the way forward. You know, that is their perception of what makes the world go around. And it's not always some malintent that's designed to, you know, hurt you as an individual or things you value and care about. Now, I'm not saying that those things don't exist and there are plenty of people who think and feel about certain things with the intent of how it hurts others. Um, but if you could think about it a little bit, 
if somebody says something with the intent of hurting you and you respond with the intent of hurting them, all you've done is become the very thing you disliked about them. You know, you, you've become, nothing's become better, nothing's grown, nothing's, no progress has made, no healthy change, you know, where you get stuck in the same rut, um, doing the same things. And that's so much what we're seeing right now. I mean, I read a lot, I really bite my tongue and don't respond on comment sections and things like that. And I really want to a lot of the times because I just want to call people out and be like, are you all children? arguing you know with your sticks <laughs> but about who am I I'm no better you know and I want to fall into the same rut they're all in I get it I feel the passion and the knee jerk <laughs> I just want to be like you're idiots you know but uh, so much what we're seeing is just belittling and disrespect and just simple rudeness and really just dehumanizing each other you know we are so good at treating other humans like less than because of whatever they believe you know would be different than us and and no if you're in america no political party is exempt from that statement both sides are terrible about it and both sides like to pretend the other one's worse about it and let me tell you i have plenty of friends on facebook and instagram and all these things who fall very far from each other on the sides of the political spectrum and you all argue the same way not all of you a lot of people argue the same way and fall into these very same traps and like to blame the other side for things that your side's perfectly capable of doing. And I say your side, their side, just to, to speak to it, but really what's going to benefit us is when we stop looking at sides and start to look at humans. I mean, that's just what it's going to come down to, in my opinion. I mean... I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Come, completely. Because, well, it's, it, it really does come down to um, recognizing your, your own weaknesses your own failings and and come into terms with the fact that it's okay you know as long as you recognize that that's what they are mm-hmm. you know but um, but it, it's become this battle of trying to convince someone uh, else of what you think is right mm-hmm. instead of just allowing them to have the freedom to think what they want and you can think what you want um, but if you can get a dialogue going, maybe you'll find common ground somewhere, you know? Yeah. I mean, do you, wh- when you go online and you comment, um, people, I believe, most people feel a sense of safety and they're in their own home, their comfort, and, and they're, 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 they're able to communicate and say things, whatever they want, because there's no ramifications. Mm-hmm. But every time you hurt someone, there's a ramification. Yes. You know, so I would encourage people to really think before they speak or type. <laughs> um, yes. You know, do you want to create or do you want to destroy? Um, everyone has a choice. You can do one or the other. Uh, you can't really be in the middle. You have to either choose to be someone who wants to create or someone who wants to destroy and I choose to create and when I see something that I think is wrong I do my best to communicate without um, without attacking someone mm-hmm. you know because you it, that, that doesn't it, that just inflames the situation it's just throwing gasoline on a fire you know but if you can ask the right question you might be able to get more clarity as to what that person really means or what's going on or they're just having a bad day right you know and don't take it personal but uh, but it, it, it is the age of communication mm-hmm. I mean it's 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 flying at rapid uh, rapid rate it, it's it, it is almost inconceivable how much information is communicated just in a 24-hour period globally yes because of the technology that exists you know some people spend their entire day commenting on things mm-hmm. you know but if you're not listening and you're only talking you're not going to get very far that's very true yeah. it's very true so I want I have one more question in my head that I want to talk about and I want to I want to answer it for myself first <laughs> and, okay. and then I'm curious what you have to say 
So I guess for me, for me, it's easy to see, perceive, whatever, maybe even assume a lot of like how people around my age feel when they respond to whatever it is within the world. Um, Because I get like what it was like to grow up in our time of the world and what it was like to be submerged in this information era you know technology the internet existed before I was born you know like it was an established thing cell phones pretty much became a thing when I was born and and all that um, and so I, I know what it's like to grow up and mold as a human being with all of this out there and having so much of the world in your face so fast um, and then seeing how adults handled it and well they haven't been handling it well and they still don't and probably weren't for a long long time and so I'm like I try to think of things that are practically helpful for myself and I think are practically helpful for people who shared my experience at least of, of the time um, and I, I, it, I think it extends a lot of it can extend to older generations and younger generations especially a lot of older generations have become very accustomed to this technology era you know my parents are perfectly fine on technology they're probably more glued in their social media than I am you know even some of my grandparents might be up there you know um, and I think something that's helpful for people my age and you know I've applied this practically for myself and maybe tried to help other people too with it is you know I think accepting your own humanness and what humanness to me really is is the both the and I use the word ability intentionally the ability to make mistakes and do things wrong and fall short and also the ability to acknowledge it <clears throat> and acknowledge it within yourself and acknowledge it with other people and do something about it. I mean that's that's humanness, right? Like we don't we don't expect a fox to know evil. And to change because of it, a fox follows its nature through and through unless it has some kind of defect. Human nature, I mean, yeah, there are baseline truths to it, but um, as an individual, you evolve over time, you know? Um, and so I guess, like, my question was, is, like, what is practical things for people to implement to kind of help further along in in conversation and being a good listener and for people my age but really this kind of I think is universal is you know accept your humanness and accept the humanness of people around you give grace no one lives I, I this is literally in my bio on Instagram and it may sound cheesy but I mean I said like no one lives without an abundant I I say what do I how do I put it um we all live in an extreme deficit of grace you know no one lives without it both given and received you know from the the minutes that you never see you know somebody just choosing not to blare their horn at you for you cutting them off the police officer not pulling you over to the things you do see you know being forgiven for the things you've done wrong or um all that i mean so many people we exist the very fact that we are where we're at in our life means that there was so much grace shown to us you know and in so many different ways and um, and that goes both ways, you know, the, the people around you are the same way. And so it's like, don't sell yourself short, give yourself grace, you know, you're gonna mess it up. You're gonna do things wrong in life, and you can't get around it. But you can grow from it, you can change from it. And it's the same for the people that you interact with, you know, it's like, yeah, what they're doing or what they're saying, however, may be bad, it may be wrong, and it may be wrong towards you. And I'm not saying that permits it just because we all make things you know make mess up and things like that but a lot more good comes from deciding to move past that to grow from it than it does festering in anger or frustration or whatever it may be you know and so I think that's a great first step for most people it's something that I'm still learning for myself um, and still practicing and still getting wrong so and I think that's a great thing it's a great thing to mess up and it's a great thing to keep getting it wrong so there that's my answer <laughs> if there's even an answer there well I, I every single one of my my mistakes has been a gift of education I mean the it, every time I've screwed up in my life I've 
gotten gold out of it. And sometimes I'll be in a situation when things are really hard and I'm struggling and I, I take a moment and remind myself there's gold here. Mm. There's gold to be had. Uh, I can't see it right now, but it's there. You know, um, it's so easy to, we're always our worst critic. You know, we're always, I, I think that's part of uh, human nature is to kind of beat yourself up. You, you get your, your, your understanding and, and, and forgiving of all the people that you love in your life, but, mm-hmm. but you can't do it for yourself. And you've got to find a way to, to love yourself enough to, to, to identify the fact that you screwed up because you're human and you're flawed. Yes. And you're, the imperfection is part of what makes us special. Yes. You know, and unique. And, uh, and, and when you recognize that you've done wrong or you screwed up or made a mistake of some kind, if you recognize that, that's a reason to celebrate. Mm-hmm. You know, congratulate. I, that's what I do. I was like, oh, man, that was so stupid. Good for you, man. You recognize it. You just didn't move on to the next stupid thing. <laughs> you know, right. to, you just it's absorb the lesson and forgive yourself and move on and do better next time. Mm-hmm. And just keep trying to do better. It's not how you fall, it's how you get up. Right. You know. Good and cliche. Yeah, that's a cliche. It doesn't it doesn't lose value. It has lots of value. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. But it, but it is a cliche. <laughs> it is a cliche. <laughs> but it's uh it it's important I think to 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 love yourself enough to be okay with not being perfect. Yes. And and it doesn't necessarily get easier as you get older. Um, but the sooner you start practicing it, the, the better off you are, you know. And d- it doesn't matter how many years you have behind you. Um, it's not, th- those aren't the important years. The important years are the ones ahead of you. Mm-hmm. And everyone has the potential of becoming a better um, person, a better individual. Yes. Um, no matter how old they are, it's never too late. You know, it's or how a, much you've messed up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it's just you have to know when to put the shovel down mm. and stop digging. <laughs> uh, that's too good. <laughs> Not start digging. He said stop. <laughs> yeah, stop digging. Yeah. yeah, how do you know when you've hit bottom? When you put the shovel down. Yeah. That's how you know. Yeah. And you can put the shovel down anytime you want. It's your choice. And if you feel like keep digging, just dig your dig dig away. <laughs> <laughs> dig away until you can't dig no more. <laughs> right. Exactly. Some people, there's like a hyper literal literalist listening to this who's about to go outside and get a shovel and just <laughs> dig and dig <laughs> until they literally can't. They're gonna be like, "I'm grown. I'm a human. I'm such a good now." <laughs> the shovel's a metaphor. <laughs> yeah. Metaphors are difficult. I understand, but. Look it up. I'm not going to dictionary it. I want to thank you all so much for listening to this first episode of Talking with Dylan podcast. Hope you found it intriguing, engaging, challenging even, hopefully a little bit funny at times. But most of all, I hope you were able to engage in a meaningful way. Hopefully you find some value in what we were talking about and also just the experience of being a part of this kind of three-person conversation i'm very excited about doing more of these and hope to put out more of them in the future and i really really hope you can be there to join me too thanks again